you know, for all the talk, Tiger talking about strategy and bunker placement and, and all of that, it's a resort course. It's travel season. What's up, everybody? No putts given. No putts. It's travel season, Tony. How you living? In a bit, just a couple bigger topics. I I love watching football. So I did not watch as much of the golfing tournamentness as I typically might. Kind However, of season here, That's... but it is kind of off season. But uh, right, we had an event at Tigers course in Cabo El Cardinal. Eric EVR Cali Staffer Eric Van Royen won. Did he putt smarter? He putted. Phenomenally well. And. Not what I asked. Did he putt smarter? <laughs> yes, he did. I guarantee he putted smarter. But uh, the best thing, it was one of the best things I saw this entire weekend was his interview after the round. His best friend, college teammate, is dying of cancer. It's terminal. Um, and so he just spoke to kind of priorities and, and those type of things. And. Um, again, winning is important and those things, but, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That was a heartfelt moment and yeah, that was probably the best thing I saw on television in the sporting world this weekend, regardless. One of the worst things I saw on television this weekend. Did Denver play this weekend? (laughs) No, they had a bye. They had a bye. So can't lose on a bye week, technically. It's like getting fired on your day off. Hopefully hopefully it doesn't happen to you. But the course itself was – there were some uh, pros who were none too pleased. Kelly Craft was one of them. Basically trashed it saying, hey, uh, this isn't really a PJ Tour level course. Adam Long hit 56 out of 56 fairways. But, but was he long? He was, I mean, long enough, I guess. 50. What? It's, Can you, you imagine know, I saw, that? I saw Eamon Lynch and, and Damon Hack discussing it earlier in the week. And I think Eamon described it as generous. And it's at the end of the day, you know, for all the t- Tiger talking about strategy and bunker placement and, and all of that, it's a resort course. It is. You know, it is it, it is, is a resort course, and you can put the T's wherever you want, I guess, but it, at some point, a resort course uh, almost always has to be a resort course, especially, like, hey, I guess Whistling Straits, you can you can get away with a course that, that punches right. people in the face repeatedly, but by and large, you're going to build a resort course south of the border. It needs to be big and wide open and, mm-hmm. you know. So should the PGA Tour host PGA do, Tour events? Do they really, though? On, I mean, on a resort course. I mean, twenty-seven mm. under. The golf was. I mean, you know, he like said birdie fast. Like to me, it was everything that's wrong with PGA Tour setups. I was like, oh my gosh, this is. You know, it's don't make know. it. Don't do it all the time. It's fine every now and again. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna get irate about it. I, I'm what? Like, okay, so a guy did the guy who hit all the fairways win? No, no, because 
his name no. is different than Eric Van Ruyen, so that, <laughs> that tells me that you have different names that he, that he did not win. So uh-huh. I don't know if he it. even got anything like uh, you know at the Masters, right? You get Crystal for an eagle and stuff like that. I I don't know if you get anything from Tiger for hitting every single fairway over four days. Yeah, Maybe a resort should. course. It's a resort okay. course. Fine. Do you remember the book "Things Fall Apart" by Chenoa Atibe? No, you may, have, you may have read it in middle school. <laughs> I may have read it in middle school, but uh, Alan Shipnuck first reporting. I've seen some of his tweets over uh, over the weekend uh, and, and into last week, saying maybe the framework is falling apart. And we're, specifically, we're talking about the PIF, what people erroneously were kind of calling the PJ Tour Live type framework. Hey, we hate. You know, we're never going to work together. Oh, never mind. Some meetings, backdoor, smoke-filled rooms. Oh, now we're going to work together. But it's just a framework agreement. And now the framework's possibly falling apart. Have you heard about this, Tony? I've seen a little bit about it. And there's, you know, it started with maybe a couple weeks ago. Started seeing a story about, oh, they're probably not going to hit the self-imposed deadline. And so well, it's just, you know, we can we can push the deadline if we need to. 12.31. I mean, so we're under two months. My bigger question is, I mean, what we know right from that original dynamic is that the PGA Tour needed and needs money. They need more gas in the tank, right? What the Saudis wanted and what PIF theoretically wanted, right, was legitimacy and so really a pay-for-play situation and some people wondered well is there anybody else that would or has that type of deep pockets to be able to compete in that space and the names that we're hearing Fenway Sports Group which owns a number of things they're a player right in the sporting space Boston Red Sox you probably heard of them yeah, they don't seem to be spending there, do they? So. <laughs> Maybe this is the one. Liberty Jesus. Strategic Capital, Acorn Growth Companies, Eldridge Industries, and a slightly uh, bizarrely named FOG, Friends of Golf. little nebulous there. As kind of rumored parties that may be or may not be interested, but if this is true, that the framework agreement is potentially falling apart, what does that mean? I guess we'll find year? out if it falls apart. I, okay, let's assume it does. What what yeah, does that I mean, mean? Like there is, then then maybe we're right back where we were, right? Where it's live versus the PGA Tour all over again. Uh, I don't know. I don't. It's... It seems like it's just going to drag on forever. Do you think that's a good thing? I mean, overall for golf, because that's kind of how it was being sold, right? Is the PIF, hey, this is good for global golf. The money, the funding, we can highlight players, we can work together, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be good, good for everybody. Is it good for everybody if it falls apart and they do find a different funding source? So the money just comes from somebody else. Is it better for golf or not as much? Well, I think there's two pieces to it. Okay, they get the influx of cash they need from somewhere else, but then are we 
is is everything back on the table from the on the legal side of things, right? And now we're like, hey, we got all this money, but now we've got to go back to spending money in courtrooms and, and making sure the lawyers get rich. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think long term it's probably a good thing, but but we'll see. And I did see too that the PGA is not going to punish. Uh, players for for trying to qualify for for live events, correct? So correct for the, I think yeah. that that to me is really intriguing because you know our, our uh, Mickelson has been saying forever, like all oh, these all these guys that want to play and live. Like, I think we're I think we're going to get a sense of of who those guys really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so that interests me. But above and beyond, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I think the peace, the peace and quiet relative peace and quiet over the last few months has been better. Uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think no good comes from this dragging on. Right. 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 But then live doesn't just go away. It keeps some dynamics in there. So it, I, I don't think it's good or bad, but it is going to be interesting regardless. Um, is less more or is more more the question coming from, a group sticks, not your favorite band, Tony, not your favorite band, but sticks golf S T I X. Basically, is this uh, well? First of all, what is sticks? What are they kind of doing? And is this a trend that you think we're going to see more of? What is this sticks band? Oh, yeah, right. They're kind of this upstart brand that wants to simplify, take a minimalist approach to golf, and yeah. You kind of point that out that it's some of that is hey we're we're minimal in the sense of I would say bare bones aesthetic is that fair <laughs> sure like you could say yeah. yeah pretty minimal design yeah. approach in terms of like the the industrial design keep it keep it looking simple minimal in terms of uh, their sets are ten clubs uh-huh. I don't know how you get by with ten I fourteen typically isn't enough for me so. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting angle, right? The, the, the light set, if you will. And then of course the, uh, the price tag, which is perhaps most appealing, a minimalist right. approach to pricing products. What are they like? Six ninety nine? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Under 700 bucks. Right. So there we go. the question it raises for me is this concept of, you know, whether it's minimalist or whatever you want to call it is okay. 10 clubs in there. The USGA race said legally you get up to 14. Do you need all 14? It'd be really, you need 16 to 18, right? You want to have long putter, short putter. It's a putter. starter set, right? And it's a starter yeah. set that. In any know. other name, it's a starter set. Yeah, it's a little different approach than, than what you get going into Walmart and buying that garbage. So uh-huh. in that respect, there's some upside to it. And I think we're yeah. going to – I know Philip's working on a We Tried It, kind of tell you what he actually thinks having played some of the stuff. So yeah, it'll be interesting, but I don't I don't know long term. Is it, it – it feels like a solution in search of a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> It might be like what do we say? Hey, we've got all these guys that are are selling you. They'll sell you individual clubs, right. and then you go right to the guys that, for the most part, unless it's a kid set, want to sell you all fourteen in a box. So right. we're going to be different and just sell you ten. Yes, ten. 
So I uh, okay. We'll I'd like see. to make an argument that okay. there's a place for it, and here's my argument: is I don't care if they're beginning golfers or you know newer golfers or just you know people like my mother-in-law, um, and you'll see you'll see why she's involved here. But at some point in time, golfers don't have enough swing speed to create meaningful distance gaps throughout their bag, right? We've talked about this. So is there like a swing speed threshold where it's like, hey, I don't need seven clubs that all go 150 yards. Ten clubs is totally fine. I'm not going to use every knife in my Swiss Army knife toolbox. I really use eight of them 99.9% .9 of the time. I don't need a three-wood and a five-wood and a hybrid and four, five, six irons, and four wedges, and a putter. That'd be my argument. I, can, I think it, the Z-Series, right? PXG did this uh -huh. similar idea with the Z-Series, yeah. not a full yeah. set. I'm trying to remember. I don't know what's going on with the PXG site. Did they redesign it? It's weird right now. Oh, it's Celine Boutier probably said, Hey, I'm your most important staffer. Redesign the site. Yeah. That's what you said so, last week. I mean, I'm trying to think how many... How many came in the set because they're... But that's that's my question well. is, at a certain swing speed, like, is that something we could test early and say, hey, unless you swing your driver X miles an hour or faster, or your 7-iron X miles an hour or faster, you probably don't I have need to take some clubs. I mean, because there's a, there's a lot of 14-club sets, and, and for, you know, whether sold as a set or just as an option... There's a there's a lot of people with really low swing speed carrying all fourteen clubs. Yeah, and and, and like of six of the clubs still have plastic clubs. on them because they never use them. Mm. You know, they're still sitting there. You take the head cover off. They're like, oh, why is there plastic still on this nine wood? I never use this nine wood. I mean, this is my my the UPS on my uh, is beeping because I need to put a new battery in it. It just came, so we'll have to oh. deal with that for like a minute and a half. Yeah, I think it sounds wonderful. All right, TGL Tiger, the Tiger Golf League. That's what I'm calling is that, it. Is that, that really is? Is it? Is it Tiger Golf League? I, I just call it Tiger's Golf. League, what is it, is, does it have a? What, is that really what the T is for? Uh, I think I think the T is silent for John Rahm is no longer going to be part of it. I saw that boy. <laughs> I think that's actually what the T uh, stand for, but they came up with the rules. Like I was, I was wondering, like, okay, how is this thing actually going to work yet? 20,000 people or whatever in a stadium watching golfers play a video game golf, basically. <laughs> watching like, golfers hit balls into a really big simulator. But then, but then, what is it like if you're in within 75 yards or whatever it is, then you, then you just like, like the short course around. area. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then you kind of, whew, there, the beeping stop. Sorry about that, everyone. Battery will be replaced today. Um, yeah. And but then you turn on. around and there's like this, my, like, I don't know how you describe it, like high-tech golf hole setup type of thing. Right, right. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's so, the format, it came out, it's going to be kind of this 15-hole deal, right? The first nine holes is basically going to be a three-person, you know, rotating mm -hmm. alternate shot. Three times, yeah, the three-by-three alternate Three-by-three three alternating, it gets you to nine holes. Then the second, you know, is, is like a one-on-one -on -one battle for six holes. So it's it's 15 holes. You got timeouts. You got referees. 
in a 40 second shot clock. You don't hit that shot within your 40 seconds, you get a stroke penalty. You are executed on site. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that this is going to garner some interest in the former kind of silly season of golf where we'd see events and people that are just jonesing for anything golf related are going to watch or whatever. But uh, so I think, I think that part's going to happen. My bigger question for you is, are we going to see it in a year? Is it going to be still be here in 2025, 2026, 2027? Or is there a shelf life well, for this thing? How many seasons of shot makers? Was there? I think. I think. Good question. Be, I don't know. Let me look it up. I think. I think there was just one. This will be better than shot makers because if, if no other reason, you've got some of the best golfers in the world, right? Like, yeah, Rory's doing this. Tiger's doing this. Mm -hmm. Cam Young, Keegan Bradley. I mean, you could. You could fill this. You know, if we took everybody in their prime anyway, you could field a solid Ryder Cup team here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you it, you got some of the best players in the world. You got a something that is is unique and and not unique just to just to you know wash Saudi balls um, oh. and things like that. So uh, maybe. I mean, Christ, what's that? What's that stupid putting show that Rob Riggle hosts that oh, just yeah, pops up every now and then again? On yeah, the, Holy Moly or something. Yeah, or, that is or, it. Is that, is, so is if I, it's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's more watchable than both Shot Makers and Holy Moly. Whether or not that gets us, whether or not that gets us into season two of this thing, I don't know. Um, Vegas but, has yeah, it at I'll, one and a half, one and yeah, a half I mean, seasons. Ah, yeah, that's 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 sensible. I, I mean, ultimately, whether or not it comes back is going to depend on how much money everybody makes, right? Do the are the players yeah. happy with what they get? Are the networks getting enough out of it? Right. You know, is this because this is? I mean, it's slated to be on real TV. This is like this which, is not fit in between episodes, you know, reruns of Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill and yeah, whatever else. Is, like this is legitimate network uh, television kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well it's going to translate to TV from a from a viewership experience. If you're in the stadium, I don't know how well the guys hitting golf balls into screens translates. But right, I, I, it's also not lost on me that you know, broadly get called screen golf is is massive in Asia. We see what TrackMan is trying to do with the That's next tour and, and trying to bring stream golf, screen golf into the mainstream competitive realm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll watch it for a little bit. I can't promise you that I'm going to be in for the long haul, haul as a guy who is has made no secret about the fact that I don't yeah. really watch golf. But the fact that it is kind of new and different and a little bit weird – Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll check it out. I'm intrigued. Check it out. I'm intrigued. Like I said, Vegas has a line at one and a half. Uh, that's not true. But if it did, that would make sense to me. One and a half seasons over or under. <sighs> that would get me thinking a little bit. Tech talk time. Technical details of the world. Like I said, this is travel season, Tony. Keep your bags packed. We're going places. Frequent flyer miles. Uh... It's 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 that time. Game on. You were in Texas last week. How was it? What did you learn? 
I learned to putt smarter. Have we not been paying attention? Yeah, no, we, no, yeah. we got the hands-on look at the uh, Odyssey AI1 putters, went through a fitting. What'd you end up with? Uh, I ended up in a number eight. Which is what for people that don't I, you know, connote it's, numbers with It's a little bit shapes. of a different kind of thing. You know, number seven is kind of the fang-looking one, right? A lot of times the ones and twos are kind of your typical, you know, blade-style answer, answer to type of uh, traditional putters. But when you say number eight... This is not the traditional... I think of the ocho. You ended up in the ocho, which... Who knows? Yeah, I right. mean, it's a mallet. It's one of from the milled face collection. It was okay. kind of interesting. So it did a, a right proper fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn through that fitting? Like anything interesting pop out? Because you know, a lot of times you'll you'll find a putter like it. Boom! I remember when you stole one at Band and Dunes. Just you know, didn't give it back to Taylor. Maybe ah, I put really well with this. Boom! It's a mallet, different shape stuff that you had never really putted with, and then you put it really well with it. So. What did yeah, this you was learn? The, yeah. I mean, a lot of it. So the, I, I wouldn't say I learned much of anything other than, you know, the tech story, right? And, and ultimately it was about preserving speed off center face. And, and okay. the number they give is, is roughly 21% tighter dispersion. So you know, okay. not, not nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the eight now to see. It's yeah, something it's, to chew it's on. Almost like a kind of, almost like original catch, maybe something in that. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. so anyway, um, and so working with the fitter, like he, he didn't yeah. tell me anything I already didn't know, but it, you know, sort of observed that I, my eyes are way inside the golf ball when I putt, which might explain mm-hmm. why I've been reduced to putting with. Uh, a ball with a big fat line on it because I, you know, my orientation is so far from above the ball that uh-huh. there's some guesswork there and, and the lines, you know, it's it's trust the lines, not your eyes kind of thing for me. Uh-huh. And it's worked really well. Um, but what we did or what the fitter did was put me in a 33-inch shaft. Oh. And the idea of like so that. So you was, had to stand much closer then, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's ultimately what we're working on is forcing to get me uh, forcing me to get the eyes more over the golf ball so i want to uh, see you putt with a 33 inch putter and standing really far away from it and see you know if you can he's gonna make some line right? yeah <laughs> see if you can still make contact with it so i mean but it, it's worth trying it's it is designed to fix a an error in my setup and you know mm-hmm. worst case scenario is i putt with something i already have and you know, I'm putting well with, so, yeah. you know, there's no yeah. downside to it. I'm sure if I absolutely hate it, we can, we can extend it, put a different shaft in it, whatever, you know, we're right. flexible there. So, uh, yeah. Easy problem but, to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely interesting. And then this week, we're going to circle back to the topic two on your agenda, on your outline this week, we're headed out to Cobra. We talked about, Last week, a little bit what our hopes and dreams are, you know, for, for each of the OEMs as we hear different things from them. But it's kind of got me thinking, uh, like I said, yeah, we'll see the stuff. We'll report on what we can, whatever. But I was thinking about Cobra this way a little bit is you talk about like an Odyssey putter. Nobody is going to stop and ask you, why are you putting with an Odyssey putter? Like, 
people aren't going to ask you that, right? Cobra has a little bit of this sense of feel of like, you know, I show people my Aerojet LS, right? My driver. And they're like, oh, almost like, why are you playing that? You know, kind of like, almost like you need a reason to, people aren't going to stop you. Oh, why are you playing a tailor-made driver, Tony? That's odd. But it's almost like you need an excuse or a reason to play a Cobra driver or piece of equipment. My question, and which is stupid because they're phenomenal. But do you think they can shape that? Can Cobra get to a place where people just play it because it's known Not easily. as quality? Not easily. But can they? Yeah, it's a weird one because, like you said, I mean, I've played Cobra drivers off and on for since I've been with my golf spot. We both, I think, mm -hmm. settled on, ended up with Aerojet in the bag for loved it for most year. of the season. It's, Absolutely, it's just loved one of those it. things. But it's you know, there is a um, culture of familiar within golf, and it's you know sort of just goes round and round, right? TaylorMade is. Mm -hmm. And Callaway, the most played, right. because the most because most people play them, and then when the new ones come out, <laughs> hey. people buy them because they were the most played and and the right. most familiar. And it, you know, and that's not to say that Callaway and TaylorMade don't make great product, but well, I think certainly do. I think if you ask Cobra, I feel like if when given the opportunity to compete, they're they're gonna win more than their current market share in the category suggests they should. So, mm -hmm. Well, that's the interesting dynamic, right? And that's what brands try to do all day, every day, right? Is build loyalty, get people in the ecosystem so that, you know, the next time you're thinking about buying a car or whatever, you don't even look outside of Toyota or Ford or whatever. You go, hey, I've had two of these, loved them. Did it. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay kind of in, in that vein. That being said, Companies spend hundreds and millions and billions of dollars, right, on trying to change perception of a brand and tell a story about it. So you have these two, you know, forces kind of juxtaposed working in some ways against each other. And that's where I think, to me, the Cobra dynamic is super, super interesting because they have that. They have... The technology, certainly. They have talented people on the club design side, without a doubt. But they don't have yet that firm brand identity as an independent, right? Like when it was part of a Kushnet way back when, it was kind of like Cobra was kind of like the rogue experimental brand, right? Like Titleist was straight-laced. You know what you're going to get, da-da-da. And Cobra is kind of like off menu, you know, like, hey, we're going to try some different stuff. And, and, and it kind of had that identity. And I don't know if people would say, hey, I know exactly what Cobra's identity is right now today. Well, I think, right, as, as innovative as they've been for you know, the last decade plus, they kind of position themselves. Certainly, I would say early on in the Ricky years, right, like we're mm -hmm. the we're the fun brand. With mm -hmm. a cool kind of loud, fun brand. Lots of orange, amp cell, bright colors. Yeah, and so, you know, maybe that, I don't know that that appealed to everyone. And again, sure. the, tech, the tech has been really, really good. Uh, 
but you had that. And you had the Bryson years where they were they were kind of winning a little bit more, right. but you know, then the driver sucked. Right. So it's like your guys aren't helping you. Ricky was in a slump. And there is right. as much right. as we say tour play shouldn't matter. It, it's tough to overcome a situation where the guys who win on on tour week in and week out generally are not winning with Cobra. Right. They're winning with Callaway and TaylorMade and Titleist and Ping. And that's. And and by and large, that's a numbers game more than anything sure. else. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. How many how many guys do on tour play Callaway drivers? Most of them get paid. Right. How many guys on tour play TaylorMade drivers? A lot of that's paid. How right. many guys on tour Titleist drivers? And it's so it's right. You know, you're 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 paying to play Cobra. Typically, in any given week, there's probably less than a handful in play. Mm-hmm. Um, some weeks it's it's one or two. Mm-hmm. Maybe arguably just one now that that Bryson is is off living his best crank playing um, yeah. crank it <laughs> out uh, yeah yeah so it's 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 really tough when for a brand that that's not winning on tour I think to to make any real headway same thing you know are you PXG for all this success on LPGA especially of late. Similar story, right? You still get that yeah. playback. Well, who plays PXG on tour? And then, right, you know, well, right. Who plays Cobra? Well, when was the last time he won? And so, like, it's right. All right, you answered my first question. Let me let me push the goalposts on a second one. Um, yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's just it's just it's just tough, and it's it's one of those things. I would tell everybody: look, if you're gonna go try a, a Callaway or a TaylorMade or a Titleist, whatever you're gonna try, make sure just bring the Cobra into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Might be surprised. Might be hit more balls. That's fun. I mean, hit, hit more balls. golfing. Hit more balls. Balls. John Barber wrote an article this week. It came out, uh, kind of this science of feel idea. We we kind of first introduced this a little bit. We'll talk more about it in the after show. Um, but the idea, right, is like Titleist shifting in their T Series irons to again. We talk about perception and perspective on these different things. Titleist has had exceptional success on tour with T-Series irons, really going back to AP Series irons and obviously having an ambassador like a Jordan Spieth when he was winning everything he, he signed up for, it appeared, certainly didn't hurt. But you've had a wide range acceptance of like T-100 in particular. And now they say, wait a minute, we can do T-100 and make it feel quite a bit better. Does this elevate Titleist in your eyes, Tony, in terms of that iron category into maybe that top tier of clubs that we talk about is feeling like, oh, my word, that felt unbelievable. Does this put Titleist there yet? No. No, and I, it's it's not to say that there isn't truth to it. I think if you hit you hit the new T series alongside the old, and again, when in my fitting, as as part of the fitting, not not even as a a hey, try this. We want you to notice the field difference, but like hey, this here's a here's an older model that has the lie angle bent at the hosel versus using our adapter. Let's just confirm this looks good, right? Um, and, and that was night and day. So it, it's very clear to me that there is real progress on the field side. And I know it's been something 
I've been I've been talking to their VP of uh, Golf Club Marketing, Josh Talagi, about this for for several years because it's certainly not lost on Titleist that there is such high regard for Mizuno. I think is a great example, right? It's just like the association, a great feel, and the reverence golfers feel for that brand when they experience that feel. And so they, they certainly want to be held in that same regard. I think every company would like to, but sure. Realistically, like golf is weird. Golfers have, have long, long memories. And so, yeah, I could argue Titleist belongs in the field conversation at this point in time right now today, but Mizuno for its part has, perhaps dominated the field conversation for a long time. Yeah. And I would tell you that, that guess what? TaylorMade has made tremendous strides. Their, their irons feel really good. Cobra's irons, particularly the forgings, have felt really good for a really long time. And so even if, you're, even if it's there, it, it, it doesn't instantaneously put you in the conversation because – you know, it, it takes a long time to build that association. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction, a big step in the right direction, especially like going back many, many years ago. I remember a couple, two, three, right? We had a, a no putts given. We were talking about the utility irons and it was either the U500 or the 510 at the time. And I just remember Harry just be like, yeah, it feels like shit when you hit it on the toe. And I was like. That is not nice, and that it's is, also very true. Yeah, yeah. It so loud, like, it's just to clanky. yeah. It's so to just get away from that is awesome, but it's it's going to take golfers who experience that a long time to kind of appreciate where they are right now. Yeah, and we'll talk. Like I said, after show, if you're interested, stick around because that's what we're going to talk about is kind of this idea of what makes a golf club feel a certain way. Why can't they all Diatomaceous feel Earth? Write that down. Wild. All right, Tony. I know you don't have your running shoes on, so we're going to do a saunter. Not speed golf, maybe, but... Saunter golf? Saunter golf. Here's what I found. Oh. That's my nine club brand. Yep. Is that what it what's, is? Saunter what's, golf? Yeah. What's more streamlined than ten clubs? Nine. Hey, that's enough Siri. <laughs> right. Siri likes saunter it's golf, serious, apparently. Serious sauntering. I've got a beeping UPS. We are having a show. <laughs> we have a show. All right. Pass That's smarter. MNML, minimal, right? Minimal. No vowels. I, they dropped minimal. every vowel. Minimal golf, new bag. Pass or fail, Tony? You like the bag or no? Yeah, it's nice looking. I, it's kind of looking at the review, reading the, the write up on it. I, I like. I, it's one of these things. I'm not. I like the idea of a integrated Bluetooth speaker. I just think mm-hmm. it's that's one of those things where you're probably better off getting a high quality Bluetooth speaker if that's what you want. Connor mentions that it's. Mm-hmm. Little uh, solar power pack is nice to have. So yeah. minimal and also murder. <laughs> exactly. Minimal and Absolutely. Murder. And they're clearly going for the techie approach of how much kind of tech in some ways can we infuse in a golf bag. We're going to give you connected speakers in the bag. We're going to give you, like you said, a, a solar powered battery recharger. Things Lightweight recycled materials it looks to be. Mm-hmm. I like uh, it's different, right? And, and it's hard to be different in spaces that are dominated. It's not a new brand. So I give them kudos for trying to stick out, do something different in a way that actually might be more advantageous to a golfer looking for it. So I love that. Um, 
Titleist test. Yeah, I tell you, like I'm looking at like this cool feature, right? Like a pouch for your cell phone. Mm-hmm. But there's no way. There is absolutely no way I am putting my cell phone in a pouch and and hoping that it stays there. Um, you don't think so, it's going to stay there? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not. I don't want to be. I don't want to find out that it doesn't. How's that? That's fair. That's fair. Titleist test balls. I had some test balls. I uh, they're in the basement right now because I was hitting them. Showed up on my doorstep. I played around with them a little bit this morning. My initial thoughts, Tony. Did you ask? I'm glad you did. Here's my initial What are your thoughts. initial thoughts on those? My first? initial thoughts are, so I just started with wedges. I want to start because kind of from the green and, and, and work backwards. So I start, you know, some chipping, you know, 40, 50, 60, up to 100 yard wedge shots. And again, this is apropos of nothing. I don't have a ton of data. I just compared it to like one or two other balls that were down there. There's definitely a very soft feel to impact. Right? Some balls feel firmer. Some feel softer. I'm not saying that I like one more than the other. Just saying impact felt soft-ish. Um, and spin was in the realm of normal for me. Towards the lower end of normal, oh. but <clears throat> in, you know... Low normal? Like, low normal. It That's, was low uh, normal. Is that... That's kind of how your IQ was described, right? Yes, exactly. Well, the normal part was, <laughs> I don't remember. I went to state. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep testing. But that was kind of an initial uh, spot there. Had a question pop up on the interwebs. And, and the question was this. When I read results, testing different things, should I trust robot results? Should you trust them, Tony? You trust What's the real? context? I mean, that's a that's a broad one. I mean, that was just how the I question mean, was based asked. on <laughs> the information I've been given, I would say definitely, maybe, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> possibly. How about this? Give me a situation where you would trust robot results, and give me a situation where you might question the results of robot tests. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm going to tell you our ball test is. I teed that up for you. Did, results you should trust. I mean, yep, I know it I goes totally into that. that. Uh, I think robots. If I, as you know, we we prefer them to. Uh, we prefer humans to robots for our club tests, and that's based on ongoing and years worth of conversations with manufacturers. But there are areas, you know, if you want to know exactly, hey, how does driver A compare to driver B? If I clank it out on the toe, that's mm-hmm. that's a good area where a robot's going to give you a pretty solid piece of information but um, you know where I'm where I'm always a little dubious is it's the constant bombardment of golf companies who have paid for independent tests right and then it's it's just uh, the perfect example I, I give is every ball in golf is longer than a pro v1 like we've seen that test over and Every, over and over again a million like, times. Yeah. And there, there are absolutely conditions you can, and that's, that's the rub, right? Cause the robot only knows uh, what, what it's programmed it to, know. to do. So, yeah. yeah. You yeah. can, you can configure a robot to, to give you what you want it to. If you know, for example, like if, if you have a driver and you're, you're trying to get a good result in a robot test and you know, Hey, my advantage for my club over the, the one I'm, I'm comparing against, if 
if we tee it up to hit it a little high on the face, I'm going right. to win that battle. And right. it's, it's things like that. We can yeah. mess with attack angles and, and all sorts of things to kind of get the result you want. And that's the other piece of it, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, that's the downside of, of some of the, the robot testing we see is that like, the, the companies dictate the parameters. Like, hey, we want right. you to the test this and, this and, and right? test I mean, this, right? Yeah, and so yeah. it is. It is always a home team situation mm-hmm. uh, for the stuff that gets published by golf companies. So I, I always look at that a little bit, a little bit of a side eye. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's fair. Holiday gift guide season between now and you know the last minute shoppers, we're gonna have gift guides coming out of every you know bodily orifice. Uh, it's gonna be all over the place. First one we posted was, I think is personalized gifts, which I thought was pretty cool. If you could get anything personalized, like if you were shopping for a golf type of thing and you wanted it personalized, what would be the number one thing on your list, Tony? Do you want a personalized putt smarter hat? Do you want a personalized? Well, well it is. You know? <laughs> See, like I, I personalized it. I use this right here to personalize it to my head. You did. did. You did. Are you going the personalized bag route? Are you going personalized golf balls what's the what's the first personalized thing i do i mean i do kind of like the personalized golf ball stuff and i'm kind of playing that now and but like bridgestone back in the day made us some logo balls i love so i loved having the my golf spy logo on on balls i think Uh we've seen some of the stuff taylor made's doing with their picks program like Uh be nice to to one day maybe see some some logos there so yeah i like i like I like golf balls. Okay. We'll Wedge stamping. I do a little bit of Ooh, that. I like that one. On that, so. I think that's probably probably mine would be the personalized uh, wedges. I like to put song lyrics oftentimes on my wedges. Typically, it's a Wu-Tang Clan reference uh, on the wedges, although this year might be different. We'll see. I'm going to be looking for some inspiration. Maybe somebody out there has some inspiration for me that they think I should put on my wedges or that Tony should put on his wedges. You know, there's a, a new Wedgeworks wedge that just dropped. But like by the time we're done recording this, it will well, be out tomorrow, which will be yesterday for anybody watching. It'll this. be out tomorrow, yesterday, Tuesday. There you go. Yeah. What is it? A-grind. Ooh. A-grind. Yeah. A-grind. Not just the grind, but A-grind. It's, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind. It's, and it's, it's a, a grind, grind you can buy at Wedgeworks, yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that, people. That's a lot of information. I know. We're going to come right back in just a moment. Science, feel, why they feel a certain way. Hold tight. We'll be right back. Kick it down a notch the after show. We're back. Uh, state, this is a, this is for my guy, Jake Stiano. This, he went to college here. Colorado State. Rams, we talked last week. He still got screwed, but I got the sweatshirt. I figured, you know what? I'm going to wear it. That's so generic, it. too. Like, like I said, low low middle IQ. It doesn't take much. I just, I just like state. Yeah. I love it. I love I lamp. Love I love lamp. Lamp. Maybe that'd be a good thing to put on your wedge, Tony. Lamp. I love, I love lamp. We could do Ron Burgundy quotes. Maybe that'd be a good one for this year. I don't know. We'll see. Science... Feel, sound, some clubs feel good. Loud noises! <laughs> Loud noises. Some clubs feel like trash. And here's the thing. 
Who was that? Mm-hmm. Was that a child? Amanda's home today. Oh. She's, she's like, what? 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 There's going to be somebody that's going to say, well, you know, feel. Not it's, to you. It's entirely <laughs> subjective. You can't you can't take something that's inherently subjective, you know, and then, and then put, you know, uh, start to rank order them. Oh, this sounds better than that. This feels better than that. Maybe I like it. Maybe you don't. But that's not true. Is it, Tony? It's not true. Maybe. So, let's talk, we're going to talk about, you know, clubs, and we might get into metalwoods, but I want to start irons and wedges. What actually determines how a club feels? And, and specifically, again, we're talking about feel at impact, right? Or what are the different criteria? Let's mostly go geometry. Let's go through the, go through it's the criteria. It's mostly geometry. Okay, what? What does that mean? Shape and where material is placed. Simply put, I guess. So geometric property. So yeah, like, what does the club look like? How much mass is in different areas? What's the shape of that mass? What else have we stuck in those areas to mitigate or enhance? Okay. Sound, feel, whatever you want to call it, because it's, All right, it's so really got, hard to separate the two. I think it is because sound is feel, right? Like it's you know we the whole idea of like harmonic impact technology, um, studying the harmonics of impact and understanding vibrations and things like that. Yeah, sound is feel. Okay. So if I have two clubs, let's say they have the exact same geometry, exact same mass properties, but different types of metal, could one feel better than the other based on the type of metal used, do you think? Minimally, probably, I would say, right? We give, that. that's kind of the ripple in all of this is that the, the material always gets the credit. Uh-huh. And that's why, like, oh, forged forged metals feel better than cast metals, and it's when you when you talk to R and D guys and club engineers, you realize, like, no, it's it's just really more about the geometries used in casting versus the geometry of the clubs that we use in materials, and then casting or forging uh-huh. oftentimes dictates or at least limits the materials that you can use, and so. Yada, 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 you get this idea of like, oh, this is the best feeling yeah, material yeah. versus, well, this is this is the right blend of material and geometry mm-hmm. that creates a pleasant feel because at impact it reaches a certain volume level for a, at a certain frequency for a certain duration. I want to come back to that because I still like the Costanza yada, yada, yada reference. 1025. Like, so I'll just throw out some numbers here that we hear, right? Because these are, we talk about carbon steel, you'll hear 1020. Or in Japan, it's S20. 1025, S25. Even back in the day when scratch golf was around, you'd hear about like 1018. And, you know, with the lower the number that being uh, painting with broad strokes here, the softer the metal. And like you said, the metal would get a lot of credit. Oh, like, ooh, man, these are forged from 1020. Mm. Oh, these are forged 1025. Ooh. Is that, five, is that better or worse? Is that you know? worse? Is that, okay, well, it's, it's. 
oh no, but it's uh it's ten twenty five and it's been treated. It's it's you know double aged or it's uh, some type of <laughs> it was stored in oak barrels. It was yeah, it was <laughs> exactly it was stored in, in oak barrels for millions of years, watched you know over by Japanese samurai for decades or whatever. So now now it's fine. Um, and then you get something like. 8620, right? Which is a harder material. But we've seen clubs that are cast out of 8620, like Vokey Wedges, stuff like that, right? And we've also seen Ping use 8620 in forged irons. So that brings up the forged versus cast part. It's like, hey, we're using 8620 in both. Why would you use 8620? Why would you not use... A 1020 or a 1025. Durability. Bingo. Especially on things with grooves, right? Where wedges, you think, right? You know, you want to prolong groove life as, as much as you can, probably. And any benefit gained from going to a softer forged head is probably more than offset by, you know, the decrease in longevity of it. So we got that piece going on. You got materials. We got mass properties. Whew. But ultimately, it all comes down to what did you say before? The vibration, the frequency. Say that part again. Volume, frequency, and duration. Right? Okay, so break that down for me. Hold so on. So we hear, like, I'm obviously gonna, volume's I'm, pretty, like, is volume, it loud or not? Probably don't freak. like loud things. Sasquatch, for example. Okay. And then we, we've, we've seen the, talked about now, and it seems like it's an increasing number of companies having the the field discussion and really it's a starts with a frequency discussion and we've we figured out right if we can if we can get the frequency at impact in this range and then it peaks here for x amount of milliseconds or microseconds right that's your duration we know that this is what golfers perceive as good feel slash sound and that's that's typically kind of the 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 things that that we're hearing about and know like it becomes a, as much as we think about feel as this, this personal experience and to an extent it is, but this idea of like, yeah, it, it may be a personal experience, but we know that if we can nail in this range and, and the peaks and valleys are where they need to be for the duration they need to be, that, mm-hmm. that you're going to have a good experience. So, you know, there's, there's, there's not too many that are going, yeah, man. You know, I think I feel like the Sasquatch was maybe the, the best feeling driver of all time. <laughs> right. I, don't know, I don't know why it gets a bad rap. I don't know, that man. was for like... me. Wait, you don't hear it because again, we the the designers know where the where the happy spots are, mm-hmm. and that's so there are sweet and, spots. And now we're we're engineering towards those happy spots. All right, so I'll ask you that. So if we have these kind of sweet spots, we know. You know, there's a certain volume, right? And let's say, you know, from quiet to loud, let's say it goes zero to 10. Sasquatch was, yeah, maybe like an 11. Like it broke the the barrier. But they narrow it down. And they let's just say for argument's sake, they say, hey, between seven and eight, you know, 90% of golfers that we surveyed, pros through, you know, da-da-da-da-da, liked seven to eight. So we go, okay, here's our sweet spot. We know it's between seven and eight, you know, it gets much louder than eight. People go, eh, 
if it's too quiet, they don't perceive it as maybe powerful enough or, or whatever it is. It's so interesting, we, right? Because you could argue like Nike made the loudest driver of all time. And then when you got into like the Vapor Fly Series, the last one, the mm-hmm. carbon model, maybe the quietest driver of all time. Right. Right. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. It's like what materials can go up and you know increase or decrease some of the stuff. But, okay, so volume, we got that nailed. Then you say, you know, frequency, right? And frequency is, if you want to think about it as like vibration or whatever, that is kind of this impact and feedback that we get, right? Um, and that's the sound, right? The pitch of it kind of. Is that fair? I like that. Okay. So what's the frequency, Kenneth? God bless it. You have a frequency. And again, same thing. Different clubs, where players tend to fall, what they like and don't like. All right, great. And then duration, how long that frequency lasts. So if we're able to get these kind of three areas dialed in, our club's going to start becoming overall more similar in how they feel? Or are we still going to be able to see big differences between you know again a brand a and a brand b i mean differences will continue for no other reason than when for a lot of companies sound i don't want to say it's an afterthought but it's not the first priority it's like all right how can we how can we get more tech into these irons how can we put more weight out in the perimeter how can we do xyz and and all of those things impact the the sound and feel of the club and so especially when game improvement clubs for an example which are for example which are often on one year cycles like when you only have one year to get your tech dialed in and out the door kind of be like oh yeah and we're also going to Right. get the sound and feel right or what we want it to be it's or or maybe more uh more directly what golfers want it to be it's that's a big ask and it doesn't come through i mean you and i a couple years back right we're in a conference room looking at a given the presentation of a uh, of a game improvement iron that i i would argue is a very good game improvement iron mm-hmm. but it, it came with the you know the, the promise of forged iron feel and then you and I deliver. hit that and we're it like... It did not deliver. Either that <laughs> or I've been playing the wrong forged irons for a long, long so, Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. But that's, I think, I think you, you give most golfers a, a similarly made muscle back, single piece forging, somewhere between three and five X forged and, and you know cover up the markings and tell me which feels better or which is which, or even, you know, pull out the Mizuno out of this pile. Right. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. It's not to say that differences don't exist and can't be measured, but they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're getting smaller and a lot of it's going to depend on exactly where, where you hit the Mm -hmm. club face from one swing to the next. So. Yeah, I agree. Especially in different designs, sound and feel are kind of a luxury, if you will. Uh, You know, like said, game improvement or super game improvement space, some of that stuff where you're using a lot of materials and, and maybe shapes and geometries that don't, that make it harder to get everything into those kind of three areas we were talking about. They say, okay, we can get all the performance stuff dialed in and then whatever we have left over will make the sound and feel as good as we possibly can. 
you know, does you end up a lot of know. that too, especially like a forging kind of is what it is. And that's, you know, shaping the club to, to get the best feel. But as soon as you go to, to multi-piece construction or even, even complex single piece design, mm-hmm. you know, we've got channels and grooves and, and that sort Cavities of stuff, knowing things, that yeah, yeah. every, everything you're doing to, you know, for example, put some tungsten, create a, a pocket sure. for some tungsten. Yeah. That's going to awesome impact, for mass That's going to impact sound and feel. And then, right. hey, all right, now maybe maybe to to get it back to where we want it, we need to add some ribs or other support structures or some sort of dampening material, whatever it happens to be. And now you're mm-hmm. kind of navigating into, hey, maybe is this stuff I'm trying to get to gonna gonna mess with the performance a little bit? Is it gonna raise the center of gravity? Anything like that? So it's mm-hmm. it's a balancing act. I think oftentimes you just kind of get where you get from one year to the next, learn from it and try again. I mean, look at P790 this year, for example. Yeah. Where they've, yeah. each iron kind of has, like I kind of describe it like kind a of it's cavity its finger in there yeah. and they're yeah. kind of different shapes and, and different places. And it's all about trying to get that that sound and feel dialed in. So 100%. Just really quickly on the Metalwood side, you're mentioning the carbon part, like the, the one with uh, Nike was super hilarious because we've seen this over time, right? As multi as construction has changed, uh, and we'll leave Taylor made out of it for a second going to the carbon wood because having a carbon face, different deal. But we've seen some drivers in some ways totally miss the mark. I think that, that balance of powerful, you know, you want people, a lot of golfers, when they May, you know, and you just absolutely smoke one. You feel you want it to resonate and feel like, man, that was powerful, right? You don't want it to be so muted that it's like, uh, I don't know if I hit that really good or not. Yeah, but like the, that Nike could smoke it, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like what? But then on the other hand, you have some that are so objectionably loud, you make you know contact anywhere on the face, and it's like you know, throwing a tin can down an aluminum roof or something, you know, into a pool of more tin cans and aluminum roofs or whatever. I don't know, but it's just loud. So what have we seen companies do to try to find that balance? Because I think you've even seen like year over year, like I'll go back to Cobra for a second because a couple generations ago, good performance. The sound wasn't really dialed in and i would argue the sound and feel like this year on aerojet was, was absolutely better. Better. absolutely better. better noticeably better so what are we seeing companies do i mean it's again it's what are you trying to do from a performance standpoint and then can you in some cases almost reverse engineer the sound and feel back into it after you get there yeah. So, I mean, we see rib structures are the big one. Kind of when you see those cutaways and you kind of see like these random things placed in there. I mean, PX3 had once upon a time, right, that honeycomb polymer stuff and the right. anchor to the sole just to, to try and take out some of the vibrations. So, mm-hmm. I mean, different approaches to get to the same place for sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have a really good design, I think. And no matter what you do, you can't get the sound right. So Cobra F6 Plus, remember the carbon track? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without I mean, a doubt. 
Without just, a doubt. Just tremendous performance. Innovative, certainly for its time, but, you know, it's kind of a one and done because could not make the sound pleasing. Mm-hmm. And so I think. Yeah, Ping went through a couple series like that where performance is good, forgiveness really good, sound feel. It's sort of the, the irony of, of Titleist when you think about it for a while. And again, I wouldn't say their irons have ever really felt bad, but they do such a great job with the metal woods for my money. Best feeling drivers in golf. Um, like TSR three this year, like it hit it, you know, for the most, I know, I know Arizona was, you know, driver or driver of the year, but like from a classic look, sound, feel, shape perspective, TSR three centerfold, pin it up there. Yeah, you know. I mean they've, they've they've nailed the sound and feel, and it's it's yeah. been that way really for a while. And so uh-huh. to to kind of and again, I don't want to say they've missed on the irons, but it hasn't been kind of that same like yeah, they're not commensurate. Yeah, it's like you don't even worry about this. You already got that sorted out. Just don't mess with that. So and that's kind of the the point with the metal woods, right? There's solidly in that. Yeah, no, you don't you don't really need to do anything with sound and feel. I think uh-huh. you're there is some preference, right? Some guys like that. Sure. Like more of that composite pop, if you will. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, can we, how do you elevate the irons to the same level if you're a Titleist? That is the question, people. And Mizuno's kind of in the other the other side. I was going to say, right? it's like, like, it's like, like how, is, do we, how do we elevate the ST series to, to be right here from the sound and field perspective? I, Mizuno Pro. Maybe they should just merge. Titazuno. <laughs> Not going to happen, but anyway. <laughs> On that note, people, there's all sorts of things. Like I said, Tony and I will be out later this week. We'll come back next week with uh, see what we saw. Is there, I don't know. Is next week? I think next week you is the week, right? Oh, I may be. Well, I may be filming in a hotel. We'll see. You'll be in <laughs> Buffalo. I will be in Buffalo. Monday night game. Broncos. That team's disappointing this year. Bills. I mean, not Broncos disappointing, but uh, still like. Hey, hey, easy. My team, you're talking about there. That's why. I, that's why I don't even watch the the American football anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because the metric football teams never lose. They're never disappointing. It's always exactly what you expect, right? A lot of ties. A lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of ties. ties. A lot of ties. Anyway, we will be back. Ninety minutes of zero zero. Excuse me, nil nil football. Right. So yeah, that was my. Nothing Sunday. sounds more more riveting than that. And until next time, we out.